Bedingfeld, fearless girl detective reporting from shipboard. Still bound for South Africa, still trying to solve the Millhouse murder. I discovered that the wounded man whom I'd hidden in my cabin was Mr. Rabin, secretary to Sir Eustace Pedler. But I have more questions. Who ransacked my cabin? What were they looking for? Why doesn't the missionary who spent years in Africa have a suntan? Who was the stranger who impersonated a steward? I'm perfectly ready to play Sherlock Holmes, but I still need to recruit my Watson. Artists Ensemble Theatre presents Mysterious Journey, Theatre for the Mind. From Agatha Christie, this is The Man in the Brown Suit, Part 5, Attack by Night. Who is it? Anne Bedingfeld. Gypsy girl! I know it's dreadfully late, but I've come to tell you the story of my life. Of course you have. No one else I know would seek me out at one o'clock in the morning to tell me the story of their life, which, to be clear, I am dying to hear. Come in, gypsy girl. I told Suzanne everything. My life in Little Hampsley, the death in the tube station, the counterfeit doctor, and my decision to book passage to Africa. You took off for another country, on another continent, with no money? What do you mean, no money? I still got £25 from Mrs Fleming, plus I won 15 in the ship sweepstakes. That makes 40. I've got lots of money. Lots of money. My God. Besides, that's what makes it an adventure. Never mind, money matters. What do you think of the whole saga? Gypsy girl, I think it's thrilling. Now, you're quite certain that Sir Eustace's secretary, not the one who looks like a vampire, the good-looking one, is the same man who was stabbed, the one you hid beneath your bed? I'm positive. Which makes two links connecting Sir Eustace to this tangle. One, he owns the house where the murder took place. And two, it was his secretary who was wounded. Although I have difficulty seeing Sir Eustace as a villain, I keep picturing him in his teddy bear outfit. (laughs) Perhaps someone connected to Sir Eustace. You suspect his other secretary, Mr Paget. What if he wasn't in Italy in early January? What if he was in Marlowe? You think he's involved in the Millhouse murder? I don't know what I think. My head's in a whirl. I just learned that George, the steward who knocked on my door last night, is not a steward at all. Lord knows who he is. Describe this George person. Uh, Rather thin, brown hair, blue eyes. Utterly unremarkable and ordinary. Well, you've eliminated Sir Eustace. Couldn't have been Paget. There's nothing ordinary about his face. Couldn't have been Rayburn. He was under your bunk at that point. The strange thing is that George looked terribly familiar. Well, you've probably seen him going about his duties on the ship. If he were a steward, but he's not. There's no steward named George. Right. Think, Watson. Think. I I wonder. Oh, no, that's mad. Or is it? What? Where's a pencil and paper? I need to... I'm going to do a quick sketch. I don't understand. Just Who are following you? through on a completely insane notion... Hold on one moment and we'll find out if I'm brilliant or delusional. There. Suzanne, that's him. That's George. No, don't speak. Let me add the mutton chop, whiskers and the spectacles. Good Lord. George the steward is... 
Reverend Chichester. He's no reverend, but he is part of this. That's why he wanted Cabin 17. But why? What was meant to happen in Cabin 17? Let's think it through. The note you found was dropped by the man who posed as a doctor at the tube station. Right. And that note mentioned this ship by name, along with a series of numbers that seemed to indicate a a time, a cabin number, and a date. Yes, but nothing happened. I mean, something happened. A wounded man burst in on me, on the run from his attacker, and I hid him. Oh, darling, dramatic as that was, the stabbing of your mystery man couldn't be what the paper was about. No one writes a note appointing the hour in place for a violent attack on, uh, is his name Rayburn? At this point, I'm not even sure my name is Bellingfeld. Let's come at it from another angle. Could there be something hidden in your cabin? That would explain why my things were ransacked the next morning. Perhaps someone is searching for your clue, the, the piece of notepaper. Why? Both the time and date are past now. Huh. Have you got the note on you? Here. Exhibit A. Huh. There's a, a, a dot after the 17. Why isn't there a dot after the 1? I don't know. There's a space. Yes, but... Uh, wait a minute. Let's examine this under a strong light. Do you think the dot is important? I think the dot is not a dot. It's merely a flaw in the paper, see? You're right. Ignore the dot and go by the spaces between the numbers. One, seven, one, two, two. Still one o'clock, still the 22nd. But cabin 71, my cabin. That's brilliant. No, it's utter rot. Nothing at all happened here at one o'clock on the 22nd. Drat. Didn't you tell me this wasn't the cabin you originally booked? That's right, I switched. The person who was to have it never appeared. Can we find out who that was? Anne, I already know. The purser told me all about it. He loves to gossip. That is so helpful. I know. Cabin 71 was booked by a famous Russian dancer called Nadina. Exotic, beautiful. Oh, the purser was bitterly disappointed when she failed to board the ship. The appointment was with Nadina. One o'clock on the 22nd in this cabin. I wonder why she missed the departure. Because she was dead. She was murdered at Mill House. (gasps) The mysterious foreign woman who was never identified. (coughs) We should tell Colonel Race. What? Why? He's rumoured to work for the Secret Service. I'll bet that's why he booked this voyage to spy on Nadina. He's been telling me the most incredible stories about some sort of international crime ring headed by a mysterious man known only as the Colonel. Oh, I really think we should talk to him. No! He'll try to take over. It's my adventure. Suzanne, promise me. Oh, very well. It shall remain just us girls. Besides, it's all speculation. Tomorrow, in the light of day, we'll wonder what we were thinking. No, we won't. Suzanne. What? The roll of film that came through the porthole. The one I lost? Didn't that happen on the 22nd? Perhaps, I don't know, perhaps there's a message concealed inside. Have you got it? I think I used it. Suzanne! No, wait. I I tossed it in the case by my bed. Oh, it's here somewhere. Got it! It looks so ordinary. Don't say that. That would be too disappointing. Here, it's your adventure. You open the film canister. Very well. Oh. What? Well, there's no film inside. It's full of cotton. There's something wrapped in the cotton. (gasps) Dump it out on the table! 
What in the world? Pebbles. Not pebbles, Anne. Diamonds. Are you certain? They look like bits of broken bottle. My dear, I've seen rough diamonds before, and these are beauties. There's a history behind these stones. The history we heard tonight. Oh, Colonel Race's story about the robbery at De Beers. He told that story deliberately. To gauge its effect, you mean? On whom? Sir Eustace? Or perhaps. What do you actually know about Colonel Race? He's a well-known big-game hunter and explorer. Travels to exotic ports of call. I told you earlier he's rumoured to work for the Secret Service. He's rather a man of mystery. You know, he'd be a splendid match for you. (laughs) Please, as if I had a chance with the dazzling Suzanne Blair on board. Oh, don't be silly. Everyone knows I'm devoted to my husband, Clarence. Tell me about him. Why isn't he with you? Oh, Clarence loathes travel, but he's quite indulgent with me gadding about on my own. Darling Clarence. I felt quite triumphant when he proposed, since he thoroughly disapproved of frivolous me. I don't believe that. It's quite true. He still disapproves, yet remains dazzled against his will. I am rather a lot. When I'm too much for him, he flees to the Foreign Office. The Foreign Office? Would he know more about Colonel Race? Let's cable him and find out I adore sending cables. They drive Clarence wild. He's always saying a letter would have done just as well and been far cheaper. Of course, even if he does know about Race, Clarence may not breathe a word. He's frightfully discreet. I'm thinking of the De Beers robbery. Only some of the stolen diamonds were found on the two men accused. The majority were never recovered. You think these stones were stolen from De Beers? Possibly. At any rate, these diamonds are what everyone is after. I'll wager they were the reason the man in the brown suit killed Nadine. He didn't kill her. Of course he did. Who else? I don't know. He entered Millhouse right after her and came out white as a sheep. Because he found her dead. But no one else went in. Then the murderer was already inside, waiting for Nadina. Who is the man in the brown suit, I wonder? We know he posed as a doctor on the tube platform. That's when he searched the dead man's pockets and took the note. He must have seen the order to view Millhouse. That's why, after removing his false beard, he headed straight for Marlowe. He suspected Nadina would be there. She was. She'd arranged to meet Mothball Man, the victim in the tube station there. Each of them had an order to view the rental house. I wonder where the man in the brown suit went after fleeing Millhouse. I've no idea. Haven't you? You don't think it's possible that, having read the note that mentioned the Kilmorden Castle, he convinced Sir Eustace to bring him on board this ship as his secretary, then feigned illness and stayed out of sight in his cabin? Confess, Anne. You believe Rayburn is the man in the brown suit. No, I don't. Why would you say that? Because, having misread the note in the same way you did, Rayburn tried to reach Cabin 17 at one o'clock on the 22nd, only someone stabbed him. Who? Chichester, uh, minus the mutton chops and spectacles. And who exactly is Chichester? Uh, no clue. But the rest of it all fits. Cable Lord Nasby and the Daily Clarion that you have found the man in the brown suit and your fortune is made. You're being hasty. It may not be Rayburn at all. He's the right height and build. He's deeply tanned. So is Colonel Race. No, no, I'm sure it's Rayburn. What's that word you use to describe his head? 
What word? The long word you used to pulverise that stuffy inspector at Scotland Yard. Oh, that word. Dolichocephalic. Was that it? Oh, yes, it's an anthropological term for a long, narrow skull with a width less than 75% of its length. And uh, what's the opposite? What do you mean? Well, there has to be an opposite. What's the anthropology term for a skull with a breadth more than 75% of its length? Brachycephalic. Oh, my dear gypsy girl. I see. See what? The lay of the land, darling. Well, tell me more about your young man. What? Really, Suzanne, he's certainly not my young man. Isn't he? No. He's detestable and hateful and rude and bitter. Not that I care. Don't you? No, he's hateful and rude. You said that. It bears repeating. The man's impossible. There's no reason in the world why my entire life should have been turned upside down. I'm... I'm... In love. No, that's ridiculous. That's completely mad. I know. Fine. He's horrid and churlish and hates women and I don't care. I'd walk all over Africa barefoot for him. What's more, I'll never believe he throttled Nadina. Never. And don't tell me I've gone crazy because I'm well aware. Say something. Gypsy girl. It seems to me that we had better solve the Millhouse murder, unravel the mystery of the hidden diamonds, and exonerate your hateful young man. Agreed? Agreed. The following morning, I caught up with Colonel Race. Hello. How's the gypsy today? Longing for dry land and her caravan? Not at all. I've become very fond of life at sea. Glorious morning, isn't it? Absolutely. Colonel, I've been thinking about that story you told last night. The one about the lion? The one about the diamond robbery. I've been wondering about the two young men who were arrested. Have you? You mentioned that one of them, John Airdsley, was killed in the war. What became of his friend? Do you know? Tom Lucas. I believe... Yes, I'm I'm sure. He was reported missing in action. How sad. Oh, there's the deck steward. Excuse me, won't you? I need a quick word with him. Of course. Henry, wait up. Yes, miss. Good morning, Henry. First, I want to assure you that you're not in trouble. I'm very glad to hear it, miss. In fact, I'd like you to have this. Five pounds? Oh, thank you, miss. After you answer a few questions. And, Henry, I need the absolute truth. Yes, miss. It was you, wasn't it, who dropped a film canister through the porthole of cabin 71? Uh, I... uh, Oh, miss, I didn't mean nothing by it. The lady wasn't frightened, was she? No, no. A bit startled. It seemed an harmless sort of joke. The gent explained us how it was because he'd lost a wager. It didn't make no sense to me, but... But he tipped you very handsomely. That's right, miss. And when was this? The last voyage before this one, from Cape Town to England. The gent gave me a roll of film and asked me to keep it in my pocket. And then? I was to drop it onto the bunk in cabin 71 at precisely 1am on January 22nd. Small man, deep tan, wore a beard. Yes, miss. Mothball man. Sorry? Never mind, Henry. Here's your fiver. You've been a tremendous help. One small mystery explained. Clearly, the diamonds were intended to be delivered to Nadina by Henry, 
the unwitting steward who never dreamed he'd be walking around with a fortune in his pocket. Now, to cross off another question on my list. You who? Mr. Paget? Yes? Oh, Miss Beddingfeld. Good morning. Just the fellow I've been looking for. I beg your pardon? I've so many questions. You see, I long to visit Italy, especially Florence. Oh, uh, quite. I'm afraid Sir Eustace is expecting... No, no. He's still in the dining hall, eating kippers. We've time to chat. There is some correspondence. I ought to... Don't run away. Honestly, Mr. Paget, you never seem to want to talk about Florence. If I didn't know better, I think you had a guilty secret. I had a firm grip on his sleeve. And I felt him tremble. Not at all. I I should be delighted to tell you all about it <laughs> later. Dear Florence, on the banks of the Arno, such a beautiful river. And the Duomo. Of course you saw the Duomo. Oh, I, of course. Another beautiful river. Some say it's even lovelier than the Arno. Do you agree? I, yes, decidedly. It's so curious. When I first glimpsed you on board ship, I fancied I'd seen you somewhere before. Not in Italy, of course. Where could it have been? I really must. There are some cables. I know. Marlowe! Have you ever been to Marlowe, Mr. Paget? What? Oh, how stupid of me. Of course you have. Sir Eustace owns a house there, doesn't he? Excuse me, I must go. And with that, he tore free and ran. You, Mr. Paget, have never been in Florence in your life. And the Duomo is a cathedral, not a river. That night, I brought Suzanne up to date. So you think he was in England, actually in Marlowe, at the time Nadina was strangled at Millhouse? Definitely. Are you still so certain that the man in the brown suit is guilty? I'm certain of just one thing. What? The man in the brown suit is far better looking than poor Mr. Padgett. Suzanne! Joking aside, you've definitely proved that Padgett does not have an alibi. We need to keep a close eye on him. And Sir Eustace. And Colonel Race. And Chichester. But once we reach Cape Town, our suspects will scatter. I'd like to talk to you about that. I want to finance our investigation. No, don't get that stubborn look. I know you're absurdly proud and independent and you've got 40 whole pounds. 35. I bribed Henry with a fiver. The point is, you brought me in to be Dr. Watson. Don't bother to deny it. I shan't. It's marvellous to have someone sharing the adventure. And I'm tremendously grateful you chose me. So, Holmes, I want you to share my suite at the Mount Nelson Hotel. I can't afford... At my expense, of course. We've got to stick together to plan our campaign. I can't possibly permit you... For heaven's sake, who's asking permission? It's all settled now. Let's discuss our suspects. Mr. Chichester is travelling on to Durban. Sir Eustace is also staying at the Mount Nelson before heading to Rhodesia. He's got a private railway car, and in a reckless moment, after his fourth glass of champagne the other night, he offered me a place in it. I dare say he didn't mean it, but he can't very well back out if I hold him to it. Good. You'll keep an eye on Sir Eustace and Paget. I'll take on Chichester. But what about Colonel Race? Colonel Race is also bound for Rhodesia. Perhaps Sir Eustace can be persuaded to invite him. If anyone can persuade him, you can. Having laid our plans, I departed. But I felt far too excited to go to bed. I slipped out to enjoy my last night on board. It was well past midnight. 
and I had the deck all to myself as I leaned on the rail, lost in a dream. Suddenly, from behind me, a hand closed over my mouth while an arm came round me and I was bodily lifted up. I struggled wildly as my feet left the deck and kicked uselessly in air. In another moment, my unseen attacker would force me over the rail and I'd be lost, drowned beneath the black water. The Man in the Brown Suit was adapted from Agatha Christie's novel. Part 6, Abducted, is next. The cast features Sarah Waddle as Anne, with Margaret Rayther, Philip Masterton, Russell Constance, and Ian Garthway. When stages around the world went dark, Artists Ensemble Theatre began producing theatre for the mind. If you can, please consider donating to AET or become a patron by pledging monthly. Learn more at artistsensemble.org. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you.